Hello and welcome to the For Real podcast, the show that discusses music, film and most importantly theories. I'm your host Matthew, also known as Matty Feels Rough. And for the third episode today, I've got Nanod, who is a music producer and also a fairy. Hello, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I feel like I, since I'm British, I pronounce it differently. How do you pronounce your your music name? Oh uh, yeah, you're every. You would not imagine. You would not imagine the amount of <laughs> times that's been like butchered horribly. Like mm-hmm. Nanode, I like Nanode. I hear a lot, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Okay, I pronounce it Nanode. Nanode. Um, but like people have like, but like people have like come up to me and been like, oh my god, Nanodi, and I'm like, oh ah! no, no, okay, okay, <laughs> that that's. I, okay, I was not that bad. To be fair, that 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 is bad. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> but like I, you know. It's the little things. It's the little things, you know? It reminds me of um rapper Amine. He like made an entire song on his oh. like his debut album on like how people mispronounce his artist name as like Amine or Anime or Anumina. Like it's dumb. It's, <laughs> it's Amine. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie, I was one of those. For, yeah, like, yeah. The, for, like I was oh I was what the, the what was the uh album that I Amine I'm like looking in my It's the one that he's like sat in the toilet, bro. That's like the the I think that was like the first one that I was yeah. yeah. And and I was like, Oh my god, it's Emine and yeah. I'm like, Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I was exactly the same. I was exactly the same. Anyway, how's your day been? How's your day been so far? Day's been pretty okay. I've been, um, I basically just woke up, Mm -hmm. kind of did a little bit of uh, of housekeeping work because I got work tomorrow morning, but uh, then I hopped into, uh, hopped into Ableton, was working on some stuff because I'm working on like a whole uh, studio album. Uh, I got to kind of shop it around once it's done, but Mm -hmm. it's like, it's at that 75% mark where like you're working on something and you can you can see the end in sight, yeah. but it's that last ten percent that feels like ninety percent of the work. So like you know you know that part's coming. Uh, I'm dreading it a little, but mm-hmm. uh, but so far it's been a it's been a fun project. It's a, it's a, it's stuff that I haven't really heard a lot of people doing, and mm-hmm. I don't say that to toot my own horn. Like I I like I really I really haven't heard that much stuff except for like maybe like jane remover mm-hmm. um woozy is a really good example of like a lot of the stuff um but like super crunchy super um i don't know I- i'm gonna put it out just because you know i i want it to be out but it's it's one of those records where you kind of make it because you really want to hear something yeah. like it um and as it's been unfolding it's been like yeah i would like i would put this into rotation like listening mm-hmm. rotation on like long car rides and stuff like that but I feel like that that's always the best way to make stuff. When you want to make something just based on the fact that you want to release something uh, that you feel like really encapsulates what you want to make and what you want to show that is unique to other people's work, I think it, like, I, I guess it drives you. It's what drives me to do more stuff anyway. But I'm, like, the worst when it comes to percentages of, like, things done, especially when I used to do edits, like, back in the day when I did loads of, like, shitty little AMVs. I would like get, I would do like, I would edit them like 80% done and then I would just stop making them. I just don't know why I would just like give up. So don't give up and release it so I can fucking listen to what you're going to bring out, please. 100%. -hmm. I mean, like the, the thing that really fascinates me with like the whole idea of like, I don't know when, when I think about artists interacting with their own work, it feels like Mm -hmm. there's this kind of like stigma 
between artists that like if you're if you're really digging your own stuff you're kind of like narcissistic yeah but i think that's like a really that, that's a wrong way to kind of look at it mm-hmm. um if you're if you're not like proud of your own work enough to like be able to be like i'm gonna listen to this like as much as the stuff that i love are listening to already mm-hmm. like i feel like it because it it often comes down to people asking themselves like is this cool like people are, are people going to think this is cool and it's a really hard mindset to switch from that to like what's cool to me does this sound cool to me because like if you think about a lot of the artists that have like really been um like influential mm-hmm. in their own fields um in their own mediums you really get a sense that they're really just doing it for themselves. Yeah. They don't really care about what other people are thinking. And I know like 10 billion people give the same kind of like speech of like, Oh, do what you want. Like it's (laughs) (laughs) like, listen, follow your heart. yourself. Like, but it's, it's really just a case of being able to step back Mm -hmm. and separate yourself from like outside stimuli and be like, No, like this is cool. And like if people don't think it's cool, like that's fine. I think it's cool and I'm just going to roll with it. Um a lot of art movements really like a lot of art movements and like underground scenes like really got born out of that mindset of yeah. like people thinking like, "Oh, this thing that you're doing is weird." But then kind of like creating a community around people that just like really like that one thing mm-hmm. and it's like strength in numbers the more people that you have kind of around you that are like encouraging mm-hmm. of that like the more the more it can build up that self-esteem yeah um and even just in your in your own stuff that you're doing mm-hmm. like you just have to kind of think about like i know this is cool to me i'm just gonna keep doing it it's just like creating that habit mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's uh it's a good a good artist is always someone who has a good balance of self-confidence and self-criticism as well because you can always improve on what you do but it's also important to kind of be proud of what you make because it isn't easy in what you do you know whatever kind of yeah. art you create yeah no absolutely i mean like being self-critical is like <laughs> it's a it's it's something that a lot of a lot of people at least like a lot of the a lot of the like artist friends that i have like really struggle with mm-hmm. is just being able to step back and like be like this is fine like i'm very much a perfectionist with a lot of the stuff that i make um i feel like my output would be like 10 times more than it already is mm-hmm. um which is already it's already a lot like this year alone i released um what was it like two albums and I think like seven singles. It's crazy. I'm scroll- um, I'm over scrolling the course your, of like six months. I'm scrolling through your band <laughs> camp right now. It's crazy. I it, it, that's that's not even my only band camp too. It's really? Like, okay. It's like, yeah. I it, like when I was growing up, like in high school, like mm-hmm. I started making music when I was in uh, like freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just be in like comp sci class, and uh, I downloaded uh, Fami Tracker and Sunbox, which are um, Fami Tracker is like a NES like kind of emulation oh, sick, software okay. um tracker. Uh you could use a lot of different sound chips. Uh the ones that are like 
used the most are like the VRC6 chip and the 2AO3 chip. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly did stuff with the 2AO3 um, just because it, I, I really See, like I wish, limiting myself. I wish I knew more about music so I could be like, yeah, yo, yeah, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that chip better than this chip. Also, I love how usually when I've done podcast episodes, we'll talk about like how the day's been. And then I'll be like, okay, so, you know, just go on and what you do. But we're like straight fucking into it. I asked you how your day was and we're just straight into this fucking music production shit. And I'm loving Listen, it. Keep going. Keep it's going. Gotta go on that. Gotta go on that <laughs> flow state. I mean, like, and, and kind of touching on, on what you said about like, you know, not understanding like music jargon and stuff like that. I find like that's where a lot of the magic comes in. Mm-hmm. There's certainly like magic in like like a lot of the stuff that I've been doing recently has been like reading research papers about about like audio science. Mm-hmm. Um, more specifically, I've been looking into how stereo encoders and messing with uh, DC offset, which is if you if you know you know. Um, but <laughs> I like messing messing with how stereo encoders um, kind of process signals and kind of changing how things. Uh, interact with each other in the stereo field and just reading like studies and papers about it or just like reading books um one of one of the ones that i've been uh reading recently uh has been uh micro sounds by curtis rhodes mm-hmm. um which kind of talks about like you know going like looking at music and sound in the context of time mm-hmm. uh all the way down from like imperceivable like segments of time to like the human ear that's crazy. all the way to like the life of the universe and contextualizing music within within that kind of space Mm -hmm. it's a it's it sounds very heady and like i took three tabs of acid uh, (laughs) like when i when i say it but like you read that book and like especially if like it even as a listener it might be an an interesting read but like Mm -hmm. especially as an artist like you you delve into it and it's like Oh, I've, I've maybe thought about this, but not to this level. No, I can like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. one chapter in and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. But like when you're thinking about when you're a listener just listening to something and you don't know that much about it, I think that that's where a lot of the magic with music lies. There's certainly a lot of magic when like you're making it. Yeah. Like when you when you come across that thing, that's like, OK, this is special. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want to run with this. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know like is a is an emotion that every artist feels on some level. And if it, yeah. if they're not, gotta gotta switch up something, you know? That that's like the whole reason we make it. It's about knowing like what stands out and what you know is gonna make or contribute to what is essentially gonna be what you want people to hear out of your art, if you know what I mean. Like, is this gonna achieve what I have envisioned or am I going to have to research or do something more to end up being happy? Because there's no point not being happy with what you're producing, you know? You've got to make sure you... Oh, for sure. You know, you've got to make sure you make what you want to make. Yeah, I think I think also a big component is not necessarily... I, I respect artists a lot that are able to have a set vision before they even, like, look at the canvas, like, look yeah. at a blank canvas or open a daw Mm -hmm. or like take out their camera right i i respect that a lot but i think where a lot of again a lot of where that magic happens is being able to get into a flow state where it kind of unfolds as it goes it's a lot like 
because especially when I think of of music, and I know yeah. this this translates to other uh, mediums of art, but especially for music, for me, it's one of it's one of those mediums where you hear you can somebody can like tell the lyrics to you, mm-hmm. like somebody can like like spoken word the lyrics to you, but they're not going to hit as hard as somebody like for instance like singing them over like a backtrack like yeah. it it like the entire context of what somebody's saying can and can change based on the notes they're playing the the timbre of each sound um how fast the song is yeah. um how sparse the instrumentation is mm-hmm. like there's a lot that goes into being able to convey mm-hmm. an emotion through music no no i totally totally get that yeah yeah i, I and that's where that's where I find a lot of the magic to be, yeah. especially as a listener. Just for more creative types who are like deep in it, they're we're like, how did they do that? And this is like, and how are they giving me goosebumps right now? Yeah. And but I feel like a the best place to be listening to music is in a place of this makes me feel this type of way, mm-hmm. and it's special to me for that reason. Yeah. And. Because it, because when you're listening to music that really speaks to you, you're kind of connecting to your own emotions. Mm-hmm. You're connecting to your own lived experience. Uh, you might link that song to an event you were at or yeah. like a friend you were talking with when you heard it at the time. Um, I know at least for me, when I'm listening to music, uh, like when I'm driving down the road, there's like there's some albums for me that when I know I'm going on a road trip and I'm going to be going down a specific stretch of road, I can't not listen to that record because it's just burned in my memory. Like Mm -hmm. there's like, I would like, I would uh, be on long drives with my dad back home Mm -hmm. and I would listen to Bob Dylan with him like all the time. I'd listen to blood on the tracks, um, which is still like a really, it's a really influential record to me. Yeah. Um, But it creates a feel a feeling that I can't put into words mm-hmm. because it's my experience. Yeah, no. Even yeah. though, like, somebody can hear the same exact song that I'm hearing, and it could have an entirely different meaning. Dog, trust it could mom. have a negative yeah. connotation. It could, it, it could be yeah. a very positive experience. Like, it could be very me- melancholic. My, yeah, my, m- and it all depends on the context. Mm-hmm. My, my fucking smile is like my smile is. Be- I'm beaming right now because I exactly, <laughs> exactly what you're on about. Because oh my god, I don't even know where I start. So, I mean, I wrote my dissertation uh, for university, even though it's film based on audience interpretation of otherness in film, and it's this idea that um, there are characters in film that don't canonically have an identity or isn't outright spoken what they are or how they identify as. But the filmmaker has given the opportunity for people who are in kind of um, have have identities that stray from a heteronormative society, kind of give them an opportunity to identify. I've like explained it really shitly. But for example, I talk about Ash from Fantastic Mr. Fox and how it isn't said that he is on the spectrum or he is queer in the film, but it's this idea that he's different in the society that is in fantastic mr fox is a standard heteronormative society where his dad is you know a typical like heteronormative masculine man who has to prove his masculinity by you know stealing chickens and being the everyday kind of family man and his his son wants to be like him he wants to be 
Tret the same way, but um, he, you know, he wants to just be like his dad. He says he wants to be an athlete, which is to him being cis or being, you know, heterosexual and being masculine. But he isn't that. But the film eventually, during you know the set the the second half, kind of says it, it's okay to be different and it is good to embrace your differences. And even though it isn't outright said in the film that he is, you know, on the spectrum or he is, you know, queer, there are kind of elements that uh, the audience who may feel like uh, Ash is, you know, identification for them can kind of relate and apply their own personal interpretations to that character. So it's that exactly the same with film. And I understand with music as well. It's funny you bring up like that experience with your dad and Bob Dylan because my favorite album of all time, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Uh, I listened to that. I started listening to it because my dad introduced me to it. And he used to always put it on the CD in the car. And there was this one. This is one road near where I live where it's like the one of the last roads you drive, and it's a very long road before you get to my house. And I just that when we whenever we drive along that road now, I just think of Pet Sounds and I'm putting the CD on the car. So I like yeah, totally, exactly. to, I totally, totally get you. And I mean, it's the same. We talk, I was talking about in the last podcast episode about um, uh, EP by the Japanese house pools to bathe in. And me and the guest uh, Jess, we were talking about how associating kind of different tracks with different emotions. And I was talking about we talked about sorry how that EP for her, she's listened to that record and gone through so many emotions that it represents like a spectrum of experiences for her. And I was saying I'm exactly the same with Blonde by Frank Ocean, which is like a typical skater alt response. But like I'm being uh, genuine. Yeah. I have went through. <laughs> blo- I've I've listened to Blonde when I've went through breakups. I've listened to Blonde when I've went through moving to a new place. I've listened to Blonde when I've started like falling in love with someone. It's like all of these things that just like I associate Blonde with. But I guess I just associate Blonde with just like my life. And I mean I'm not like trying to suck it off too much. It's not my favorite album of all time but it's up there and and I think it's because I've went through so many experiences with that piece of work and it, it I interpret it with the emotions that I experience and it, again it is really interesting isn't you know as music how do we kind of how do, how do we associate pieces of work that somebody else has made so personally with our lives it's like so interesting and my my question to you as a kind of music producer do you feel like, do you find that the spectrum of, or the diversity of interpretation is dawning to you in terms of, I mean, not not on a base level of like opinions on if it sounds good or if it doesn't sound good, more interpretations on, is there ever a, a kind of way that you want your music to interpret, be interpreted, or do you like the idea of it being vast and being it being open for other people to interpret how they want to interpret your music? I think if you that, that. <laughs> whenever, yeah, I think that whenever you're putting anything out into the open, whether it is like an opinion, a piece, um, a statement, you're taking the privacy away from that. If that makes sense, I think yeah. that you're you're allowing other people to judge your work. You're you're giving you're giving people not explicit permission but you're you're putting something out there for other people to hear and mm-hmm. you can craft an experience very very precisely but not 
every person is going to mm -hmm. come away with the same exact reaction, with the same exact experience, and the same exact emotion attached to it. And you need to be prepared um, to like accept that. I think is an artist if you want I, to release your things. I think a hundred percent. I I think like in any like because even like talking about like I I like to relate art to a lot of like the human condition when mm -hmm. I'm talking about it, which I know is like can be read as a as a little pretentious but um and and getting into Kanye West t t territory um of like being crazy uh but I I look at art as a conversation and as a social dynamic mm -hmm. um in the same way that like you know you can present yourself however you want but like some people aren't going to like it and some people are going to love it like yeah. some people are going to be like so stoked on you right and some mm -hmm. other people are going to be like i literally hate this person with all of my heart yeah and like that's like <laughs> like art can elicit the same emotional responses and you never know who's going to react that way mm -hmm. you know like you can you can maybe make a good guess but like and you can try and make something that you think a lot of people will like but it's not guaranteed it's going to be that way. And at that point, like, are you really making what you want to make if you're just wanting to make it for the validation of a mainstream market or the validation of peers? It isn't. You got to do what you want to do. And I think true happiness is achieved from being yourself and having your own identity rather than trying to conform to whatever can guarantee a level of certain level of success or a certain level of um kind of accepting acceptance but i don't know if somebody will use that as an analogy for being queer and that's based and that's exactly what i'm getting at but yeah 100 oh, percent. Yeah. i mean like a, a very good example of that um one and one that i at least think a lot about um which i know this is going to sound like me jacking myself off or whatever <laughs> but um uh one of one of my friends was um i'm not going to say who because it because you know, I don't want to like out them or anything. Yeah. But one of my friends was um backstage with the chain smokers um mm. at the end of one of their gigs. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget exactly how they got there, but mm -hmm. they were just talking to them and kind of like brought up the elephant in the room, at least like with like art direction. They were like, Why like why why make this kind of music? Like why make this kind of like mass appeal music? And they're like, Oh, we literally just do this shit for the check. But like we actually make music that like we really like, like mm -hmm. here. And then they pull up like they pull up SoundCloud and they show like these like really like these accounts with like 200 followers that like this is me. That's and it's like experimental crazy. noise music and shit like that. Like P like there's a it, there's something to be said there about like uh, the industry kind of like rewards yeah. this kind of music being made, which mm -hmm. is true to an extent. And especially if you look at like the whole like culture of like TikTok music marketing oh, and Christ. art marketing, um, that's like a whole rabbit hole that we it's, can it's, get into. It's but like it's insane. It's like this thing of like I mean, this is gonna be my pretentious cunt moment, but it's like I think it's just absolutely just I I can't put into words how insane it is that a, a kind of platform like that can affect uh, streams and can affect the industry to that extent, like a significance. Have you seen that recently uh, artists are releasing like sped up versions of their songs because that is the stuff that is on TikTok and they'll get streams from the oh, sped yeah. up version. It's literally Gen Z Nightcore. It's fucking crazy. I, I'm just like, 
in my head. And then I'm a massive Steve Lacey fan, like insane Steve Lacey fan. And I was talking to my girlfriend about this. I was like, oh, is it, this is, I mean, I don't give a shit when people discover people because like, I'm happy that Steve Lacey's getting a lot of recognition now. But you know, I've been on that Steve Lacey shit since, I mean, I, I went to go see the internet when I was like 17, 18 in London and, you know, I've been listening to Steve Lacey, like, for so long, since, like, you know, 2018. And now, you know, I listened to Gemini Rights when it came came out. Absolutely loved it. This is before I, I deleted TikTok. I talked about in the last episode about how I did not like TikTok and I deleted it. And, uh, you know, I had no idea that, you know, uh, Bad Habit became a TikTok song. And then when I re-downloaded TikTok, I was like, oh, shit. And then I checked Steve Lacey and now he's in, like the top 20 most listened to artists of all time on Spotify. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It's crazy. I mean, how TikTok controls shit like that. It's just insane. I mean, a lot of it, uh, a lot of it, it makes sense to me, at least looking at it from the perspective of human beings are going to react to like really flashy stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And especially like, like the reason why a lot of, marketing tactics are just used over and over and over again is because they scientifically work and especially like in the case of like tiktok you know it 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 is a it is literally an example of and there's been like studies of this i can't like cite them off the top of my head but there's like scientific studies done that like show that the attention span of the average person is going down Oh, and it's all kind of correlated with the rise of like social media and specifically these kinds of platforms where it is encouraged to be consuming these small little pieces of media and just move on to the next thing as soon as possible. Um, One of the one of the big uh, places that I really see that happening is TikTok. And especially like you'll look at the charts and it'll feel like as you're kind of immersing yourself in that platform, you kind of, you think that like things are moving much slower than they actually are. Yeah. Like you'll, you'll be consuming all of this content and you'll think like, man, this was like a crazy month for music. And then you'll Mm -hmm. look at the calendar and it's like, wait, it's only been like five days. Like there, like, and people will like, because it's constant classic album and it's only been out like, oh my God, literally like I saw this fucking, I saw this fucking TikTok that was like, what is the greatest album of all time? This fucking girl goes Gemini Rights. And I'm like, Gemini Rights came out fucking three months ago, dickhead. (laughs) What are you talking about? Like, I was, oh, it's just so frustrating. There's definitely, there's definitely pieces that like works where you can kind of step back and be like, this could probably this could probably be in contention for that. Like one of the like one of the records that I've been listening to uh, recently, um, Rock Marciano and uh, The Alchemist uh, put out an album uh, called The Elephant Man's Foot, which is what we're gonna be and talking about. So, yes, yeah. no, it's it, it's it's we'll obviously get to it, mm-hmm. but like that that record in and of itself kind of brings me back to a lot of where um, like mad villainy was yeah. kind of aiming at where where mf doom and um where mf doom and mad lib were kind of mm-hmm. on things and i think it's just a it, it like works like that are like really a culmination of of that kind of stuff but yeah. i digress we're gonna get there eventually yeah, yeah um but you know that that that's come out like maybe i i think that was like a, a month or so ago and people are already like 
this is like the best album that like I've ever heard. And it's like, are you are you saying that because like it's popular right now, or are you saying that because you genuinely believe? I think it? I think and Stan I think... culture as well. It's like Stan culture is just fucked. It's just like this is the best thing ever created, and it's just like it isn't just like stop fucking dick riding, bro. Like it's just take get a grip, yeah. Calm down. I mean, people uh, people generally don't want to be alienated from each other. Yeah. So when people kind of get on the mentality of like. Oh, like I re- it like when everybody is like, "Oh, I really like this." People have the tendency to jump on that because mm-hmm. they don't want to be like the not cool one who doesn't like it. You know what I mean? Um, I've definitely and like I say that because I've definitely been there. Where for the longest time, I would just kind of like, I'd be like, "Oh, am I like into what's cool right now? Like, yeah. am I on the wave?" But you know, you don't need to be on the wave to enjoy things. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to be on the wave to, like, get approval from people yeah. if that's what you're looking for. And even then, you don't really need approval from other people. Like, I think having the self-esteem to be okay with yourself and be okay with what you like and be okay with, mm-hmm. like, who you are is way more important than, like, being hip and yeah. being with the shit um 100% especially if you're in an art, in in the art field like yeah. you you want to be channeling you um because then you're going to make they, better shit you're going to make more you're going to make better stuff that is more you and that's what you want to achieve and that's what makes you successful you need stuff that makes you stand out and represents what you want to make or else you're not going to enjoy it as well exactly no you just got to you got to roll with the punches you, you you just have to do what feels right yeah. Let's talk about your shit because I was listening to it and I fucking loved it. And I feel like... The, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the tracks like kind of differentiated in style and kind of genre, I guess. I don't know. The recent stuff that you brought out, the XND stuff, that felt really like jungle, like jungle kind of beats or like drum and bass. And I fucking love that. Like absolutely adore jungle. It's one of my favorite like oh, kind of so kind of genres, and I really really liked it. I was there like I pressed play on it, and I was like, okay, okay. And I was feeling like it was this morning, this morning because I was trying to get me my coffee, and I was there like, holy shit! I was just like vibing with it. I fucking loved it so much. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to go through like kind of your process of music and how much you how long you've been making stuff for, and just go go through whatever you want to talk about. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like when I'm making a piece. It's usually a lot of these ideas come to me like spur of the moment. Mm-hmm. It'll be like like in the case of um in the case of Moab, I I was literally in Moab, Utah, um, mm. and it's such this it, it's such a striking place. I really don't know how to put it into words other than it really gives you a sense of scale of like how big you are, yeah, um, or how small you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's there's like a serenity to that, and like especially the way that like the wind kind of moves through those canyons is like really it, it it creates a feeling that like I've never felt before. Yeah. And I basically just like pulled over to the side of the road, got out my laptop, and I just like made like an ambient sketch, which is the AMB Moab, um, which is like the second half of that single. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I just kind of like. I made that in like 30 minutes and like totally flow state. Like 
this is how I'm feeling, kind of picked out the sounds that I really liked at the time, and I kind of just rolled with it. The breakcore version is actually like a remix oh, okay. um, of it. I like I think it was like two weeks before release. I literally just got up one morning and it occurred to me that like I could like like I'm hearing drums over this. Like I'm hearing some stuff over this. And I I had been listening to uh the latest acid disc um entry uh that G Jones and Eprom had on um, mm-hmm. Acid Disc 2. And I was kind of thinking like this needs some breaks. This needs some breaks over it. That's what yeah. I'm that's what I'm feeling right now. And I just sat down, sped it up, did some chops, and kind of broke it up. That's that's like the process for that track, but it really translates to a lot of my other work. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of have this like one little idea and I'll get stuck on it. And not in not in necessarily a bad way. Sometimes I will just like at, like get stuck on something. Like I probably have I could look on my hard drive right now, but it's like ton- do you got like if I had vision? to guess, definitely tunnel vision. I yeah. mean, like a lot of it, like if I just like pull this up right now, how many items are in this folder? There is wow, there is like two thousand projects Jesus in Christ. my projects folder. Um, those are all just like eight bar ideas that I'm like feeling at the time. Some of them are like hot garbage. Some of them have potential. Some of them will like get almost flushed out into full tracks, but mm-hmm. won't quite be there. Some of them I'll just like make on the spot and I'll be like, no, I'm feeling this. Like, I'm going to go for this. And I'll just like complete it in a few days. Uh, some of them take like months to complete. Um, like some of the tracks on, on like the album that I'm working on right now, they've been in the pipeline for, I want to say like three years now. And sometimes it's a case of like not knowing quite how to finesse it yeah um and sometimes it's a case of just like i haven't touched this in three years but for some reason i like thought about it today and yeah i should really open it up and sometimes it's a case of like i see where i was going but i don't really like this so mm-hmm. i'm just gonna like Le- export it and i'm mm-hmm. gonna like resample this and basically remix my own song i think being able to interact with your sounds and take an ownership over mm-hmm. them is like something that's really key, especially for me. One of the things that I really kind of tried to challenge um, recently, both like listeners and also myself, yeah, um, has been trying to create a consistent sound um, that transcends genre. Okay. Um, like one of the things that I really pay a lot of attention to in my work is when somebody hears like Moab and then goes over to run it up, or then goes and then yeah. goes over to closer, which are those are a few of the recent singles that I I uh, love put out. Um, um, the one bass that you you named it. Oh that. yeah, people, you named it that because of the the guy you sampled. So. Yeah, I I could not I could not think of a name for it, and I was just like, boss sounds cool, and then I, I just it. did it, and like it like the whole like that whole project itself was a flow state. I, like I literally just sat down one day at my computer and I was like, "What if Jungle was like also dubstep?" And like I just had that bass rip like in the middle, the yeah. wow, like kind of like a growl, and I just ran with it. I love um, it. that song. Probably took me genuinely. I think that song took me like three hours to make. What? Um, what and the like, fuck? <laughs> people like really, really liked it. 
it, it's it, i mean it's crazy like some it like people will like it like will put so much heart and soul into like a piece of art and then it's always like no I it fascinates exactly. me every time Literally. where it's always the one thing where people are just kind of like I'm just gonna like throw this together and like people are like this is amazing no, I love this yeah. and I'm like I literally just spent like two and a half hours on this just it's like exa- no, throwing exactly stuff together it. and like I exported it like so that's all I did when I did my fucking edits when I did my fucking AMV edits I would like some of them I would spend so much time like perfecting the like the graphs in the easy ease frames to make sure all the transitions were smooth this is one I did that like was like a vent edit that I did when I was like 17 i had like a shit day and it was like a amv to hide it from a gretzko and i made it in like an hour and then uploaded it to youtube and i got like two thousand views and i'm just like what the fuck it which isn't like obviously a lot but like compared to my other stuff like an edit that i spent loads of time on would get like 50 views and the other one this one got like two thousand views and i did i like did the bare minimum i just did it because i wanted to de-stress and do something i enjoyed doing quickly made it and people were like this is incredible and i'm like it's really sloppy i don't know why like i was like what it was crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's a, I get that always. Definitely. Yeah, you can never it like, and it just goes to show you can never guess what people are gonna think is cool. So just mm-hmm. like do what you think is cool. Yeah, like you can never it, like you can you can like like I've tried highly engineering songs that I think that people would like because like oh I'm like doing this little kind of breaky fill or whatever and like people generally tend to like the kind of music that like this associates with but i always Mm. do that and it never works because i'm trying to like i'm trying so hard to be somebody that i'm not yeah but like especially with like a lot of the recent stuff that i that i've been making there's definitely times where i'd like channel artists that i really that i really admire like Mm -hmm. aphex twin one of tricks point never um and i'll uh, i'll kind of like internalize a lot of their um a lot of their like at least in one of tricks uh kind of territory i'll like get into a flow state of like looping things Mm -hmm. um creating a solid loop that like gives me an emotion and i'll kind of work out from there um and then i'll think like you know aphex twin is is like huge on kind of creating large soundscapes with like variation to them and even with their selected ambient works stuff um Mm -hmm. you do kind of like get a little bit of that flow state um i I literally love that record so much i've got it on vinyl i just fucking fucking love it it's so it's so beautiful it's such a beautiful record that that's like mostly where i approach it Mm -hmm. is just trying to get into a flow state and trying to trying to sound like myself and not even trying like the 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 thing that the thing that i used to trip myself up on all the time is like what do i like like i gotta be unique i gotta try to be unique yeah but like you're your own person you don't Mm -hmm. have to try being you so i just like stopped trying and i made better stuff I guess. Yeah. And that doesn't mean just like you just stop. Well, I I genuinely there will be like weeks where I don't even open a DAW. There'll be weeks where I like don't even touch Photoshop. Like I think for the last like two weeks I like didn't even open them. Um I like played a show um at mm-hmm. an underground rave in, in Portland. That's and so like I opened works. up record box for that. But like I just didn't do anything. And like there's definitely like 
you know, if if you're in a if you're like doing work for somebody or like you're trying to get something done, you have yeah. to like get yourself to do it, right? But I think a huge thing, especially like when it's not something that like your livelihood is really depending on, you really don't need to like force yourself. Yeah. And you should do. you shouldn't force yourself because it's like you're not going to make something you're proud of and you're not going to make something you enjoy doing. And I feel like we we both sound like fucking broken records, but it is that it's just so important. And I think it's exactly what's on what the podcast is like. I could have done it in my final year uni whilst I was doing my dissertation and whilst I was making my final year film, but I wouldn't have put as much effort in, you know, kind of passion into it because I didn't have the time to do it. But now that I have the opportunity to do it and I just, my mind was not in the right place either. Um, you know, I've been graduated for a few months. I needed time to settle as well. And my mind wasn't in the right place, but now it is. And I know I can make it to the best it can be and how I want it to be perceived by other people as well. So, no, definitely. Yeah, doing huge projects like that, especially with like undertaking something like schooling or like a huge career is like really, really mm. hard to do. Um, one of the things that I did when I, when I did my, uh, senior thesis, I was kind of like really deep into the VR scene. Yeah. Um, like in VR chat clubs and raves and stuff like that. Sick. Like I've like, like I ran in that scene a lot and I played a lot of the big clubs like shelter, um, mass was one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I played tube, which is the one that's kind of like shelter, but in the UK. Um, oh, sick. and like I would it, like, I, I basically created this kind of interview event series where I would in, invite like huge artists on or like relatively huge. Um, and I just kind of, uh, ha there would be an audience of like people who would be there just kind of like hear them talk. And I would ask them questions that I think were really important about like, you know, how do I, how do I get this person to talk about their very unique perspective on art? Yeah. Um, and I wasn't like just like grabbing people who I thought were like, you know, oh, this guy's huge. This is going to be a big deal. Like I was like I I, I had Daedalus on on one. Um, I had the flashbulb on another. These are people that like probably not a lot of people know, but the people who know are like super interested. Yeah, because they know like why why they're so unique with their own voices and hearing the both of them talk was it was really interesting. And like e even beyond just doing it for um for a school project was very very enlightening and very insightful mm -hmm. um and you kind of notice a throughput like a like a through line between how a lot of artists talk about their own work like i would listen to a lot of interviews like i'd, I'd listen to interviews of like kanye west i'd mm -hmm. watch like one of tricks point never interviews i'd watch like the very few interviews that like apex twin would have i'd watch um I'd watch interviews like obviously of the people that I was going to interview to make sure I wasn't like asking something that that I wasn't asking something that could already be like easily findable yeah. and not because I wanted to be like, oh, I wanted to be unique. Like I want to uh, I want I want there to be a reason for why somebody's talking. You want to give them um, a different experience why... from other people as well. Like that is. Yeah. It, and so like the first half of the interview would just be like talking and then the second half would be playing a playing an album that they that really speaks to them yeah and just like sharing that experience with people uh with the people who are attending and you get this weird this weird feeling mm -hmm. where 
you've just heard this person talk about like what really connects them to their art and the world yeah. around them. And then you listen to something that really speaks to them and you kind of get it. Mm -hmm. It kind of clicks in a way because you're, yeah. you're hearing, you, you're hearing what they just said in the context of the work that they like admire. Um, and that's something that's like really, really profound and really beautiful. You, you gain like um, a st st strong understanding. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. It's, it, it's something that I haven't seen people do but it, it it felt like it was important to me yeah and that's like that, that that's like the big thing about like doing what you want to do is just like doing what you think is important whether you think it's important for 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 people to hear it or important for you personally mm -hmm. um you just have to do what you especially when you're putting it out you just have to it, like you have to ask yourself is this is this important yeah for me to it, like yeah have this out in the open because there's 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 a lot of songs that i've made that like nobody's ever going to hear or like maybe a close friend of mine will hear mm -hmm. but like i'm never going to release it because it's not it's not important to me for other people to hear it it's not yeah. important to me for it to be not even judged but just perceived mm -hmm. um you don't like it like in the same way that you might have secrets or mm -hmm. you might have like like really private thoughts that like you just want to keep among friends you don't it, like you don't have to share everything yeah um and that's it like i think once you realize that mm. you give yourself a lot of freedom to just kind of step back and just yeah. do whatever the hell you want yeah no no i totally totally get that and i think that goes into this like idea of leaks and all that shit and you know artists like not wanting certain work to be uh, released or leaked because it, it's not what their intention was it was either not finished or they didn't want to release it because it wasn't what they wanted their image to represent yeah but leaks leaks generally just it like like that whole like at least recently the whole thing with uh gta 6 getting oh shit leaked, yeah um like that's a really great example because the people who worked on that game all of the stuff that they were really excited about kind of just got like now everybody knows about it. All of the stuff that the fans were excited about mm -hmm. might not turn out that way because it's so early in development. Yeah. Um, even if it looks far along and it's disappointing for it, it's disappointing for everybody because everybody's getting a false impression of what yeah because it, it means and what and what that person stands yeah, for and what that these, artwork stands for you got these little soy boys on twitter that are like oh it looks so shit and i'm like yeah because it's not fucking finished you moron like shut up <laughs> it's, it's so dumb anyway we're on fucking 51 minutes 51 minutes last oh, episode, last episode i was apologizing <laughs> about well how long the, um, well, I had my guest apologize on how long each section was, but I think we've actually like trumped it. This is like went on so long, but to Listen, like, I mean, I, I, I like just talking about yeah, it this fucking, kind of stuff. It rocks. It rocks. It's good. Let's, um, we'll wrap up this section before talking about the, before talking about the choices by just, we haven't even mentioned anything furry, which I like absolutely love. And it's a first, how would you link what, what's your like history with furry? And what would you link fairy to your music in a sense? I mean, for me, when I'm oh, we love my MacBook charger. I love mm. out of nowhere. You just got a flex. Um, you got a flex. <laughs> got a fucking Mac. I got a Mac T. You know. Yeah. No. It's a. 
Uh, yeah, the furry the furry fandom means to me like what charging a MacBook uh, sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, like a lot of the furry fandom, it, it's very kind of it, it's very kind of surface level for me. I mm-hmm. literally like growing up, uh, I would one of one of the earliest dreams that I remember is literally just like running through a field with Sonic and I'm like hmm this definitely won't make me be weird or strange when I'm older you know and yeah, uh now, so, now I'm now I'm here I'm like, I'm uh, <laughs> so like I'll let you continue um, but 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 you know like when people imagine oh do you know when people like fucking imagine um when they're like little in the back of a car and you're like looking out the window on the motorway or the highway and like you imagine someone like running along. I used to imagine Sonic oh, like running along, shit. dog. Yeah. Like that is literally that I relate to that. Anyway, continue. Or even just like those moments where like you're just like sitting at home and like you're three years old, and then and then you just have this thought where you're just like, I'm going to remember this forever, and then you just do, <laughs> and it's like what the like what what it's like in- like yeah, yeah. and then like you'll remember it like you're sitting down you're like 24 years old and you're like you're sitting at your office job and you just like remember it and you're like how the f- like what the fuck mm-hmm. like-, <laughs> like long-term memory um, stuff like I, it's insane to me like that people have different memory strands as well in terms of like um how much they can remember because some people can't remember like um early age memories but some people can like literally imagine things down to the like minute detail i would say i'm a little bit more i don't have exact memories of things from my younger age so i can't really relate to that as much but there are some things that i can just go i won't be able to remember what i eat like that week or something or remember what i ate there that week but i'll be able to remember like what jump i was wearing like five months ago on this specific day like memory the way it works is so weird but yeah. Anyway, keep going yeah. about furry shit. My, like. <laughs> yeah. No, high key, relate on that because yeah, I, my, I have that little autism guy in my brain. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's, he's always there. He's a silly, um, a bit goofy. <laughs> he's a little silly, a little goofy. Um, but yeah, I it, like I, I would kind of engage with a lot of uh, like it, like I would, I would kind of interact with a lot of the art um growing up. Um, and then especially when I was like discovering my sexuality, I like definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, uh, interacted with the art. Yeah. Uh, but like, it, like kind of when I, when I graduated high school, I decided to just go full into it because mm-hmm. I knew for a long time I wanted to, but I was like afraid of like getting bullied, which like, honestly, I like it, like I would have been a brony. I would have like do- been doing all this shit if like, I just like let myself like things, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't. Um, and so like the, like being around furries and like kind of like developing myself through like my own sonas and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. like really helped me kind of be happy with myself. Yeah. Um, and be more content about myself. Um, there's definitely been levels to how much I've interacted with, um, with the fandom at least, but the way that I've kind of treated uh being a furry has been more so being a like having how do i phrase this being a part of something but not have that something be a part of you yeah um it's it's like i think it, it's because it, it's an extremely important to to if you if you like kind of latch onto something forever mm-hmm. it's it, you're going to be disappointed no yeah. matter what happens and 
with me with a lot of like uh, like what i kind of learned with like especially with furry and like kind of changing sonas all the time or just mm-hmm. like doing whatever is like i can't like force myself into a specific vibe so like if mm-hmm. i want to be a dog i'm gonna be a fucking dog <laughs> if i'm gonna if i want to be a cat like meow, you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it, it's all just kind of like going with the flow mm-hmm. and i think like being a furry like really really helped me with that really helped me kind of like take myself less seriously mm-hmm. um in some ways and take myself seriously in others um yeah just i think yeah, I, th- that, I think a, that, that's more or less what it means to I, me i think a lot of people feel that way as well because that's why i feel like our community is so um queer and lgbt is because it gives people an opportunity to explore that through different means and different kind of ways of representing that and i feel like exploring an identity or a hobby through like different anthropomorphic animals in different ways of interpreting like art and media it, it opens a different way of uh, expressing and kind of finding out your identity for yourself too and i think it's a really interesting thing when it comes to furries that i think a lot of people can relate to and you know understand i guess yeah it's taking ownership of yourself yeah i think is the is the big key because like you can like like i i tried for a minute to like be that poppy for right and like that (laughs) ended spectacularly um but (laughs) but like for me it's it's just doing what i feel is is going to be indicative of my own being like Mm -hmm. who i really am and at the end of the day, that's like all that really matters. Yeah. And like when you're interacting with with people from whatever community, but even especially like in the furry fandom, it's like, yeah, like if you're it, it, like if you're just like a like a standard like fur colored furry femboy fox <laughs> who just like tweets, ooh, notices your bulge, what's this? And like that's who you are. Like that's who you are. Yeah. Or like me, where I'm just like this like lion cat hybrid shapeshifter kind of fucking twink um you know that's like that's like like that's me and there's nothing wrong with that you know you just gotta gotta live your life yeah and 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 maybe and maybe like download a few sonic images on the way because like sonic's good and cool sonic is epic sonic's my and yeah sonic's my sometimes i'll make it my phone background yeah, he'll be in my phone background, and I'll be like, "Oh, you, oh you." Don't get even get me started on Sonic Man, because we're only out. We're like a fucking hour into this recording, <laughs> and like, listen, we could get into a one. conversation about kinning, and that, oh and we'll, and that, and we'd be here for like three crazy, hours. Crazy, literally. <laughs> I like kin Ash. I kin fucking tails. I kin like mama. Oh, tails, Miles. Bro, proud. Miles Pryor, bro. Like, my you know boy, man. My like, boy. He's fucking crazy. He's he's <laughs> he's so jepic. He's fucking he rocks. My boy. My boy. <laughs> um no, for the fairy stuff, I'll say um it's just like I, I think it, it works in a way that you you can explore your identity based on how you interpret fairy and how you kind of kind of, I don't know, apply yourself to it. I think it's not to sound pretentious, but I mean, for example, the way that I use fairies that i'm like mad into fashion so i use my character to kind of explore that and get him wearing silly little things all the time 
but other people like care about having loads of different characters and you know having extensive backs backgrounds on like their you know backstories and all that shit but compared to me i use it to explore fashion i use it to explore my own art form and kind of uh i don't know like different art styles and kind of experimenting with different things and i use it to i don't know engage in anthropomorphic media for some people it's surface level for some people it's more than that but it's what you make it what you make of it makes you i guess in a sense it's it's hard to explain but yeah damn 100 yeah. i i feel you 100 yeah now we're on an hour and one minute so we're gonna move on to the choices in in the <laughs> first choice we're gonna talk about the album i can't believe you're gonna be fucking talking for an hour about this we're gonna have to like quick fire <laughs> but you're like super into this so we're gonna be talking about the album for yeah like 20 no i mean i love this i love i yeah. love just like talking about talking about art with people yeah, like it's it's one of my one of my favorite so things do I. it's um, it's it's 10 to 1 in the morning where i am right now so i'm like i'm not even saying that i've been <laughs> i've had a coffee i'm fucking living this right now um let's so go. let's go so we'll talk about the album choice which is the elephant man's bones by Rock Marciano and the Alchemist. So when it came to this album, it's interesting because usually a lot of the records that I've chosen for the podcast are like things I wouldn't normally listen to, but I still enjoy. But I mean... I'm already acquainted to um, music produced by The Alchemist. I fucking love him. I think he's amazing. The record that he did with Freddie Gibbs a couple of years ago, Alfredo. Yes. Absolutely I've been amazing. bumping that every day this I last week. Like, I've, I've, uh, I've gotten on The Alchemist train fairly late, um, like, in the last couple months. But, like, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I finally got to it. Something to rap about and Frank Lucas are, like, like mm-hmm. that is a that is an incredible back to back like thing, but but I think especially something something about the elephant man's bones really it, like it like really speaks to me. Um, both because it's it's so obvious when you're listening to this record that like both people, uh, both the alchemist and Rock Marciano are like at the top of their game. Like mm-hmm. this is the best that they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Like whether whether together or not these beats kind of like reach this flow state mm-hmm. where like the alchemist just knows how to like drive you forward even if there's like no drums on the beat yeah and rock just like the way that rock is able to articulate what they're saying mm-hmm. in a flow that might not even sound like a flow like some of the songs just sound like he's just stating a fact no yeah like he's just He's just getting right to the point and just throwing it in the middle of a beat. And that kind of confidence and that kind of swagger to just be like, this is what this track stands mm-hmm. for. This is what I'm trying to say. Whether or not they're like talking about like some dude that they're like trying to trying to like how they're like trying to sell drugs on the street <laughs> or some shit or how they're like rolling like gangsters. He'll just say it like he'll just be like, you're going to catch a hollow point. It's like, damn. Okay. I felt that especially on uh, Think Big, like the final track of the record. I, f- I felt it really, really heavily on that because of the lack of percussion on it. And it was just vocals in kind of rapping. 
and it kind of put a lot of the heavy focus on what was being said. And I think for a lot of the songs in this album, which isn't a bad thing at all what I'm about to say, I felt like I focused a lot on the beats rather than the actual vocals but it, it's weird because i'm usually not good at like processing like it was in one of the podcast episodes i talked about ages ago with my friend will we were talking about we listened to e-bike or 2k and i was talking about how i don't listen to lyrics when i like listen to an album i'll just listen to the beat and i'll just be like this vibes but then if i enjoy something and i keep listening to it then i'll like listen to the meanings of it and stuff so again it's interesting how yeah. people interpret different things Usually I have to be like, so why did you choose this album and go this? But again, we're just fully going into it. You know, let's, let's just keep going. Let's just keep fucking going. Yeah. Just go for it. I mean, like, that. I, I totally feel you on just, like, listening to vocal music mm-hmm. as and having the vocals be an instrument rather than something that the instrumentation is playing around. Yeah. I think that's very key. And and this album does it exceptionally well. Um I think it, like one of the it, like this is like super like it, like it's a super like simplified way to kind of like put it. But you know those memes where it's just like the the picture of like the deagle or the or the um oh the why did I say the deagle? I'm talk I'm not talking about a gun. I'm talking about a dog. Um the beagle um who's <laughs> Bro, so it's this you, image of you've been like you've playing it, too much CS, dog. You've been playing too much. I've, CS, I, I, I played. I'm playing way too much CS, dude. <laughs> um, but like you'll look at it, like it, it, it'll be like these these POV images of uh of beagles, and with like a with like a little text box, uh, and these will be like TikToks, and it'll just like have the sound of like it, it'll just have a song playing, and. The dog will be saying the lyrics, but like in gibberish. <laughs> like that's like the best way that I can describe that emotion. Where like you're connecting with the song, and like sometimes you just like won't be paying attention to I words, and it'll I, just be like, ah, I, yes, these are syllables and like rhythmic, <laughs> it, like following a rhythm. Like, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm hearing right now. I you know what I mean? You, and like, I, I thought you were gonna be describing that like meme of like the cat or like a dog and it like has headphones in and it has like the arrow and it's like his ass is not listening like his ass is not <laughs> listening right now his ass is not listening, listening right, right now. now no uh, one of one of my one of my favorite renditions of that meme recently was um <laughs> <laughs> this this image i'm gonna i'm gonna put this somewhere on the on the on the cover art for this for the for the fuck thing yeah, i'm gonna I'm, yeah. I'm making a mental note of this um it's the dog like trying to say the lyrics to um oh what what is the name of the song the worst time to like forget the name of the song um so hot you're hurting my feelings by carolyn polachek oh my god and it's just like i get a little lonely like and it's just like <laughs> but it's like spelled like i g e d like like it's like like i g e d a l i l it's like the classic like when I met you in the summer. Yeah, no, it's literally when I met you in the summer. Like, dude, <laughs> exactly that. But like, I totally it, like. It, literally on every first listen of every album that I listen to that has vocals on it, I'm usually processing it like that, yeah. and like I have to usually like really pay attention to like get the lyrical content. Sometimes it's just super easy for me, and it flows really, really well. Um, this album was kind of like 50 50 on that mm-hmm. but in it but even like when i went back and like listened to the lyrics it's like yeah. 
even if it's like this kind of like standard kind of like gangster rap kind of thing where they're just talking about like rolling up on some dude and like shooting him they they rock just says it in this way that's just like so to the point Mm -hmm. and like this is all i need to say like i don't need to say anything else than this i am being as eloquent as possible if you can't understand what i'm saying yeah then you need to think harder and it's like damn like (laughs) like damn dude it's like and especially like the like the alchemist really channels that as well Mm -hmm. the beats are just so simple um oh god it's, I need uh, the to... beats are so good i mean recently i've been getting into like getting back into west side gun and like mac homie in like lord apex and like stuff that is like chopped up or like dark kind of beats like the piano like piano uh, kind of riffs on like mac homie beats like kind of come to mind um but it's like i don't know i think the some of the i mean highlights for me were um, I think my favorite my favorite track was either Quantum Leap, which I think the beat was super super nice in it, or the album title song, uh, which was like um is gorgeous. I mean, like I'm like such a sucker for piano beats and like piano samples. I like I love piano jazz as well. Anything R and B or blues that's like sampled in or jazz that's like sampled in a rap song, I will just like fucking adore. So I love the title song as well. But yeah. Yeah, no, the 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 title song is really great. Um the ones that I really connected with, the one that really like puts the album into perspective, um Rubber Hand Grip. Like it just opens with that. Yeah. So such a perfect opener because mm-hmm. it gives you exactly like what you need to expect from this mm-hmm. record. The other tracks that I really like are Quantum Leap, uh mm-hmm. Trillion Cut. Trillion yeah. Cut is like definitely in my like top five for the album but it's it's also mainly for like the one line that says step on the product electronic slide we could never share a common bond i heard that and i was like this is the most clever wordplay i've ever heard like Mm -hmm. no like this is this is this is an undefeated bar like like like, boldy james's flow on it is also like so just it just works I think so everything, we, I think Rock's shit, Alchemist Beats, and like all the features, like understand what the feeling of the album is. And it's just like, I don't know, it just all works together and it's just so nice. Yeah, the, the features, the features especially feel very purposeful. Zip Guns, especially, like Knowledge of the Pirate, was such a perfect pick. The way, like the delivery of his lines are just like yeah there's this one section where he just repeats a line and just like lets the beat play for like a whole bar and then just like says the line again and then gets back into Mm it it's that kind of it's that kind of flow state that they're like that everybody on this album is getting in that Mm -hmm. just like god like every time i like talk about records like this like it like this record or like mad villainy i just like the more I talk about it, the more I just like Love need it. to listen to yeah, it. Yeah. Like, and it, it like the way, it, like, it, and especially like with this album, to me, like, Mad Villainy is a very like lighthearted, fun record. Uh-huh. This is like kind of its counterpart to me. Um, the Elephant Man's Bones feels like very kind of like, like we're, we're very serious about this shit. Where yeah. I, while I was like, MF Doom is like, 
kind of like mf doom and mad lib just like they make a song just like about just like smoking weed and it's like the, with the best flow you've ever heard in your life and you're like god damn like, like i haven't meat, smoked meat weed in like meat, two meat years but like mind. every time every single fucking time i hear that song i'm like god i just want to smoke up right now like yeah, i just want to i i want to blunt i want to <laughs> blunt right now dude like I'm... it's like mad lib, mad lib beats as well like fucking mad lib with like freddie gibbs with pinata it's just like it's just every it's shit is so they just get good on it. It's just like it's so I listen good. like well love like Mad Lib and MF Doom instrumentals is like I mean I use an MF Doom instrumental fully like the intro for the podcast like because it's just like, White Willowbark I just love his stuff so much and I would say yes oh. there, there was like a TikTok trend that must have been I think it's just been recent where it's like albums that kind of expanded your music taste and one of mine that I would choose was um mf doom special herbs but like just the entire box set of volumes like one to eight like that fully like listening to his beats i think i definitely went through the pipeline of i mean it's not really a pipeline but it's like a thing of like i mean when i was 16 i was like obsessed with lo-fi hip-hop and then i realized like when i really got really into rap i was like whoa like people have like lo-fi beats in like really nicely produced like heavy sample chopping up stuff like yay and jay diller in doom and you know people like that i was like oh wait there's like i, I can have two of these things together i can have my enjoyment of rap and my enjoyment of like lo-fi hip-hop like brought together in like it, it just it was just nice to go from that you know um well yeah holy shit we're on yeah. like an hour and 15 i want to keep talking about shit when you uh, uh, go, go for it. <laughs> um i'll go through you know what else what else can i say about the album um liquid coke was like super dark like that definitely reminded me of like conway the machine um west side gun lyrics and also the sound of it overall like in kind of some of the tracks on like freddie gibbs's alchemist um what comes to mind what is it called uh, i'll have to type alfredo um, for me if for me a lot of the songs on that project god is perfect is like a really is a really good example of that frank lucas is a really good example of that mm-hmm. um i think it was yeah skinny suit is, is skinny shug that one is like really yeah. really really to the point with that feeling both both records for me just like feel feel very similar in that respect like i've just been listening to to both of those like front to back like mm-hmm. like with each other like all the time um the last like couple weeks it's just like they're so good <laughs> they're so good ba- babies and fools like the sample on babies and fools is like it's, it's, the beat is yes. so good but it's all it's just all amazing i mean we're talking more about alfredo now but yeah frank lucas is what i was thinking about i've just went like kind of just skimmed through that. i was like trying to find which one i was thinking about but like the beat on frank lucas reminds me of how liquid the coke beat? sounds like on oh, frank it's lucas. so it's, it's exactly so good yeah. just the like the 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 little horn that yeah. comes in is like such it's such a smart chop yeah like when you when you really like listen like especially like as a as a producer mm-hmm. you hear that kind of shit and you know that they just like heard those like two seconds and they were like no this is it like i don't even have to like yeah do anything else like this is like i'm just gonna repeat this and that's the beat but and I feel like, like at the same holy time, shit, like... at the same time, the instrumentation is like so expansive on this album. I mean, for example, in Zigzag Zig, 
like there's piano and there's like a little bit of saxophone as well if you like listen it's just like it's just so interesting how everything's layered and it just feels like everything's thought about and it's just so i just love it it's a really fucking good record and i think i really like the yeah. uh, cover as well the cover's really I don't know why. It's like weirdly nostalgic to me. I don't fucking know why. It's like it the, looks it's just, like toys. Yeah, it's like that. Like, it's it's like that, that and then plastic like plastic kind of feel. In the way that it's shot, it like feels like an early two thousands. Like I don't know. There was this like weird book that used to be a thing. I don't know. It might be just a thing in the UK called like I Spy, and it was like this book where you'd be you have oh yes things, no like we had the same thing over here yeah. in the states. Yeah, and it just looks like that. Like you have to find a certain object in like a bunch of objects i think that's why i'm getting the yes for it. But i like, i yeah. used to play like those games on pc like a lot oh, like yeah. i like like i had like my my dad had like a one of those like g4 imax or like the g5 I, I <laughs> what it was called but like those uh, those like y2k looking ass max um yeah i, I would like mm-hmm. it, like i just like m- my dad would just like buy those games for me just be like Hey, like here's here's some games, and I'd like play that shit and just be like, okay, where's the thimble? I need to find the <laughs> thimble. Like, it's... one of my first games um, that I had. I my I had a family computer as well. We used to have fucking. This is like we used to have that. You this will this will mean absolutely nothing to you, but my family used to have when I was like five or six. When we used to have the family computer, we had like Tesco dial-up, um, which is like. A UK person will like listen to that and like fucking laugh because that is literally like really fucking cheap ass like dial up and that's what it used to be back in the day like um I think Tesco's owned by Walmart like Tesco's a supermarket in the UK so basically imagine having Walmart yeah. dial up that's basically what it was and it's just that insane it's awful. In, it's in, that it's it sounds awful it sounds awful literally but it's insane that that that's even a concept to begin with um but yeah I used to have dial up obviously for the computer in one of my first games I played and it was like Sonic 3D. But it's just called Sonic 3D on PC, but I think it's, like, the PC version of Sonic 3D Blast, I think. I think that's what it was. But, like, the one that's, like, isometric and 3D, it's, like, crazy. But I, like, I like played the shit out of that game. And also played the shit out of this game called, like, Sheep. That was, like, also released on PS1. It was a weird game. And then um, I, I got addicted to it, genuinely. And then my mum pretended that, uh, that it went missing. And then, like, I asked her, like, 10 years later when I was, like... 15 and she was like oh no we we gave it away or we put it in the bin because you just played it too much so there you go <laughs> and then i also almost um this is <laughs> fuck's sake sorry i was also almost we'll round off this album talk with this anecdote i have about a fucking computer let's go so yeah um when i was again I must have been like really young i downloaded a like it was this again the family computer the wind windows xp asked like literally shit um i downloaded like a garfield screensaver and it was from like the garfield live action oh my film, god right it's from the garfield live action film and it was the scene where garfield like slides down the banister on like a food tray and it, it rocked and i downloaded it and it looked super cool on the computer and i was like you know five or six and i was like this rocks <laughs> and then like the computer <laughs> got a virus and i like started getting really upset because i was like why has it got a virus and then my dad was like so it turns out it's this like who's downloaded this garfield screensaver because it's a trojan oh my <laughs> lord <laughs> i was like what is that what's like a 
Oh, it's a Trojan. And then my dad was like, you almost killed the computer by downloading a Garfield screensaver, Matthew. Do not download anything off the internet ever again. And baby's, baby's first virus. Baby's first we virus, always have, We always have one. It's crazy. Anyway, we're on an hour and 20, so we're going to go on to talk about the final thing, which is going to be the film, which is uh, Spirited Away, directed by Hayao Miyazaki. So for me, for this for this movie, it it was one of the first movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Okay. Like I I had it on VHS, uh, oh. and I like remember watching it on on like my CRT, uh, mm-hmm. like growing up, and like my dad got it for me. The thing that like it like I it, like I it, like I kind of understand the story. There mm-hmm. there's things about it that like definitely still confuse me to this day because i'm like i don't know how this makes sense like the whole like the whole twist at the end of like the guy actually being the river Mm -hmm. um that did not make sense to me until very (laughs) recently i just like didn't get it at all but the thing that i really loved about that movie is that stylistically different locations just like felt so different and it felt Mm -hmm. like a mashup between so many different kind of things yeah. and the way that like moments in that film would kind of be broken up almost like slice of life episodes in an mm-hmm. anime series and, and definitely like not not like exactly that way but like you know the way that you move from like sen trying to get a job yeah to like okay well now this guy comes in and is just like giving out like all this gold like you'll have like <laughs> you'll have these moments that just like feel kind of disjointed but like the way that they all kind of tie into each other, despite like all of these thematic and um, and like visual differences mm-hmm. um, between uh, locations um, or even with the music, really just kind of like that that kind of left field kind of stuff like really stuck with me throughout yeah. the years. I think it's a it's a gorgeous film. Um, this film I vividly remember was the like first introduction to anime that I had. And it's weird because my sister it's like a it's like a tradition in the UK. I don't know if it's the same in the US with like TV, but a lot of like uh UK channels broadcast like a fuck ton of films during the Christmas period. And it's like um even if they're not like Christmassy or whatever, they just it's just like a lot of TV channels that just like broadcast loads of christmas films because it's obviously a lot of time where families will like sit down and you know spend time together and stuff like that and watch stuff and i remember um one time i was at my grandma's house and my sister was like can we watch this spirited away film that's on the tv and obviously i was like i think i must have been like nine or something and i was like yeah sure watch it and then i watched it and i remember i remember not even enjoying it that much and but then my sister had a friend who was like obsessed with anime at the time my sister's like a few years older than me and um it's just so interesting that that was my introduction to anime and then i watched totoro um just on my own out on my own accord. Oh, yes and then i got probably an anime when i was like 12 13 and then my sister like stopped liking anime she didn't even get an anime at all i think she watched like totoro and uh spirited away and now she just, just doesn't really understand any anime stuff like it's not her personality at all but it like it was massive for me and it's really interesting how that kind of worked out 
And when it comes to Spirited Away, I hadn't seen it for so, so long until of just today when I rewatched it for the podcast. And it's definitely held up. Like, I really, really love it a lot. I don't think it's my favorite yeah, Ghibli, it's... but it's still really good. Yeah, it's just such a unique film. Mm-hmm. I, I really, like, other than other Miyazaki films, and even then that's a stretch, like, I, I really haven't seen anything like it. it. It just has such a specific feel to it that nobody i haven't i haven't seen anybody else really encapsulate and it's just it's it's one of those one of those pieces of work that genuinely feels like totally unique it it it, it takes these things that aren't even necessarily that like novel or new but it it puts it into this context that's Mm -hmm. so different because of the things that it's in that it's including yeah because of the way that it's presenting characters because of the way that it's presenting narrative um and i think it's that, a thing... and i find that to be like a huge mm-hmm. um through line between like really really unique pieces of art yeah. is just being able to create a an environment that feels unique out of parts that are like so familiar Mm -hmm. and i think it's a story that can only be told by ghibli it feels like a kind of story that could only be done successfully by ghibli and i think it's just it's like this very amazing yeah it's that very childlike kind of feeling yeah i mean i watched it in dub and i have this weird connection with ghibli films where i don't know if it's a nostalgia factor or just the way i've like watched them is i always prefer watching ghibli films in dub but everything else anime based, I will always watch like subtitles. Like my favorite show of all time, Evangelion. Like I'm like watch it in subtitles, uh, like all of I it. I feel exactly the same way. I mm-hmm. like it. I will like I'll, I'll I'll only watch Ghibli films. Yeah, Ghibli films specifically as a dub because that's mm-hmm. just like it is the nostalgia factor for me. Like I yeah. grew up just like watching the dub and like yeah, like I I'm sure that the the voice acting. Uh, in the JP version is probably better, mm-hmm. but like it's that it, it's like that familiarity to mm-hmm. me of just like yeah. this is what I the, it, like it, it takes me back to that place of just like childlike wonder. In that, that is exactly what Ghibli films are meant to do. That, that's what everyone always says. It's like Ghibli films are meant to feel cozy. And to me, having memories of my childhood, of just being able to watch films in and like you know go to school when i'm like nine or ten and just fucking color and shit and then go home is like why can't life be like that now dog why am i gonna think about rent no and, exactly i don't think about rent in post-grad life but i you don't know. i don't want to pay taxes i simply <laughs> want to be baby yeah like <laughs> um <it's- laughs> but like speaking of the voice actors i feel like now watching it from an old age when i've watched more films and i'm more aware of things um, a lot of the voice actors, obviously, the voice of Sen or Shihiro is Lilo from Lilo and Stage. And I like didn't realize, like, I, why do I recognize the voice? And I was like, oh Wait, shit, really? I yeah, did not yeah. know that. If you, that's I, actually, I'm telling you, if you wow. if you rewatch okay. it, if you rewatch it, and you think of Lilo and Stage, you'll you'll get what I mean. Because I was like, I recognize that voice, and I was like, oh shit, it's oh, Lilo from a, Lilo and Stage. This is a whole new dimension for me right now. And oh, then there's a there's. The, you know the part where she's trying to get bathhouse tokens and the guy whoever the i'd forgot the name of the what they call with what they call them like the 
kind of occupation the black he has. Blob guy? No, 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 no. It was the um the it's just it's just a human frog guy, but he's given away the bath oh, token. Oh yeah, I know. He's given away about. the bath tokens, and then he won't give any away to Shihiro. The guy who voices him, he's like, "What? What do you want?" That's the guy who voices Squidward. Yeah. Because you, because what? Yeah, because it's not. I was like, that sounds like Squidward, and then I googled it, and I was like, yeah, it's the guy who voices Squidward. Holy shit! Yeah. Wow. Okay. The, those are the only two that like stood out to me though, and then also the fact that I'm saying guy that voices Squidward and guy that voices Lilo is gonna piss some people off, but like, I'm not like a film buff <laughs> that knows things. Like, I know Tom Kenny voices SpongeBob, but I don't know the guy who voices Squidward. I don't know his name, so. We're, but, I I need somebody to like make an edit of of uh of that movie now where like the characters are replaced with like one Roger, of their best known Roger uh, Bumpass. That's what he's called. That's a squid of voice actor. It's oh, crazy. Roger. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I mean. Also, did you used to hold your breath on the bridge to see if you could make it across, or is that just a weird thing that I did when I was like little and I watched this film? You know, when she's like holding oh, her breath. You, I'm. <laughs> no, I can't say that I have, but that's so that's so sick. That's so awesome. The, and what also the, I the d- way that you could just yeah. get immersed in that. And what also I realized wow. is that um I always found the soap token stuff, the like the that stuff or the bathhouse tokens, like when the water runs like so satisfying, like just the way it looks and sounds and I think Ghibli films always feel that way in terms of it's always the visuals, like, they're absolutely gorgeous. And also, as a side point, also on the bridge, you can see no face on the bridge, but this is, like, before um, he's introduced, like, um, like fully, you know, when Shihiro sees him on the bridge and goes, like, are you okay? And he's the only one on the bridge. When she's originally going across the bridge with Haku and he's, she's trying to, like, hold her breath, you can see no face on the bridge then, but, like, just in the background so oh okay but yeah no ghibli films always look gorgeous one thing comes to mind for this film especially it's the um the flowers like the flowers in the film and just like oh yes it's just amazing they're just so vibrant and just like the landscapes in general one of the things that really stuck out to me was like how the water looks Mm -hmm. um like when they're when they're like using the train it's just it, it like that light blue just like it's so it's so striking and i think as well when the scene where they in the bathhouse where they pull out all of the kind of trash in like rubbish from the um river spirit there's just like there's like it just looks like gunk when it's first pulled out but then there's a shot where it you can see it all laid out on the floor and it's like a full-on painting of like trash like really detailed and I feel like with Ghibli films, the backgrounds are always so vibrant. There's always things going on with them. There's always so much detail put into like an intricacy in each shot, and it's just so so good. Like, I love it so much. It's so yeah. The the it's very purposeful mm-hmm. and like very like you you feel like every shot and every angle is like it mean it it, it it's not just there because like oh we need a different perspective to like fulfill this rule of like can't have the the view on like one specific area so that we bore the viewer or not mm-hmm. it's like they're doing that but they're doing it in a way that like every single shot just feels like it's meant to be there yeah it, it that's in that's when you know a film has succeeded when it feels like every single direction and every single iteration of, a, of elements in a film you feel like they have a purpose because then you know it's worked 
it's just so good yeah 100%. also the, 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 the soundtrack on this thing bangs like I, so, l- I love the soundtrack so theme, so much yeah that theme just like every time i hear it it takes me back mm-hmm. like it's that specific it, it's that very specific feeling like what we were talking about earlier it's just but i feel like the, something about it i feel like a lot of Gib- ghibli soundtracks uh give that off i think it's joe hisaishi i think that's how you pronounce it his soundtracks for ghibli films just just take you it, it transport you to where this certain thing is i mean or like where where they're set or the environments and it's just really immersive and i think my friend cameron like used to say this thing that was like a soundtrack makes a film and i used to disagree with him i used to be like that's such bullshit but i completely agree with him now i feel like a soundtrack or a good soundtrack for a film is like adamant on whether i'm gonna like absolutely adore the film or not and i think with ghibli films it's always it never fails and i think it's just i just don't know just it's so so good but yeah yeah a hundred percent damn well we're on like an hour and 35 is there anything else you want to say about spirit away because um not really i i think it's just it's one of those films that just it's hard it's hard to put into words how how unique it feels Mm -hmm. um just it 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 feels it feels like a mashup of like so many different things it's definitely a one of a kind thing it's a one of a kind film and i think that's why it stands out for so many people i mean the pretentious film review and after i use letterbox like it's in like a top it's in like a top 10 highest rated films of all time on letterbox which is like a massive feat because everyone's so like critical and pretentious on that fucking app so like to (laughs) be to be like high rated on that is like crazy but it's there for a reason it's definitely deserved so yeah well Thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I did not expect it's... a fucking talk this long as well. Like, I literally loved it so much. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was really fun talking to you about just like art. Like, I like I don't know. It's a it, it, it's a talking philosophically about mm-hmm. like a lot of a lot of at least my own approach to art mm-hmm. and how I see how i see other pieces of art and how i relate it to the yeah. world around me it's just like I, I i love talking about that and i love hearing what other people have to say yeah. um about their own lived experience with it so it, yeah. it was really it was really awesome to mm-hmm. to have the chance to talk to you mm-hmm. plug your shit plug your shit right now yeah so um <laughs> i have check out my soundcloud check out my spotify <laughs> page um you could find me basically everywhere as nanode or nanode music um but uh yeah i i just try to at least put something out you mm-hmm. know i i do what feels right and i do and, and generally just like make what i mm-hmm. feel like what i feel like is it, it it really speaks to me and and mm-hmm. what really gets me motivated and i just put it out in the hopes that other people uh other people who are looking for that kind of feeling like maybe find it and get a little of an enjoyment out of it yeah um 100 so if you get any enjoyment uh out of anything that i make just uh i I appreciate you listening um but either way i'm glad i'm glad that it can resonate with you no definitely check out this shit i'm not just saying it because they're on the podcast i really enjoy this stuff personally because i just love that (laughs) kind of music but like literally i just i'm so happy that i was able to get you on i feel like we vibe so much in terms of what we discuss and how we discuss things all of um nanode's 
shit will be in the description so all the links will be in the description of the youtube version um but if not obviously they've said what their ats are and all that stuff if you want to follow me on twitter as always it's at matty feels rough um m-a-t-t-y-f-e-e-l-s-r-u-f-f uh i mostly i've actually tweeted i i mean my tweets either range from like talking about podcast stuff to like i've just put this tweet out where this cat is holding up a sign that says i love boobies and i've put this cat kind of be like me so i mean (laughs) so sometimes my tweets this is the correct way to use twitter yeah this is objectively the right way to use yeah. Twitter. <laughs> um if you want to follow me on letterbox my letterbox will also be in the description and also i'm still open for people to come on the podcast um i've had quite a few responses but i'm still i'm gonna just keep it open and see if i have anyone else so there'll be a link for that in the description if you want to come on the podcast and talk about your passions and shit and furry stuff it's there and yeah i think that's basically it if you have anything else to say we're done so um just uh be a dog yeah be a dog be a that's dog. all you need that's, that's, all you that's need it that's all that's all that's all and all i need to say it's Just truly a serotonin generator thank you very much guys for listening and i'll see you all next time bye, bye.